Welcome to Canine Counselor's Podcast, featuring the Canine Counselor, Phyllis Smulind, and myself, Julie Hart, as the interviewer. We're going to discuss resource guarding in rescue situations. Uh, we've come across a couple situations lately that made us want to speak out against adopting resource guarding dogs to families with small children. First, I will play some messages we've received from people that are looking for training, and then we'll discuss the problem of having a resource guarding dog in a home with small children and what to do about it. Also, I wanted to define resource guarding. So resource guarding is guarding resources such as food, bones, toys, other people, um, family members, space, furniture, etc. Um, that a dog may deem valuable. And serious resource guarders will growl, bite, snap, uh, threaten over resources. So that's uh, the definition we are using when we say resource guarding during this podcast. Here's the first message we're going to play to use as an example of calls we get all too often. Another message we received the same day from a different client. Similar situation. Uh, both dogs were adopted through some kind of rescue or owner transfer. And this person has also had a bite on a family member within three weeks of having the dog. Um, we're just 
Alright, so now Phyllis and I are just going to jump into discussing the messages. Initially, we're talking about the last one. Here we go. At least she uses the term aggressive. Yes. You know. You need to put that back with her. I mean, the one with the eight-year-old, the dog needs to leave like yesterday. Yeah. Just so you know, I'm recording this conversation. Then I'll tell you why. Because I think this is like, it's so important. This is so important for people to... To realize that a, a dog that bar- bites a kid and sends them to the hospital is aggressive. And yeah. it is not safe. No. And I don't understand it. I mean, like you said, I don't understand it. So, I don't know. I don't know what's, like, why are there so many resource guarding dogs lately, too? That's crazy. More fear. Yeah. So what advice, I'm just winging it here. <laughs> What insights can you give to people that are in a similar situation as the lady with the eight-year-old that maybe don't realize the difficulty and the safety hazards of living with a dog that has those issues with a a child in the house? Well, she already, for even with that particular lady, she already said that she gave explanation to her son. You know, do not mess with the dog when this happens. Do not do that. She sees that that didn't work. So if it happened once, the chances of it happening again are high. Yeah. All the don't do this, don't do that is not gonna is not gonna stop it. Right. And resource guarding, as you know, can start out with high value things, and then it turns into all kinds of things. You know, don't move me from the couch. Don't don't put the leash on when I'm worked up at the window. Don't. Any number of things. This is my human. Don't come near my human. Right. You know, and already the dog, she's saying that particular dog is okay with her and her husband, but not okay with her kids. And so she wants to know whether or not training is going to help and make it where the kids can work with the dog and not have a problem. You know, the answer's no. Can't fix that. So in your, in your 30 years of training... How often do you see people that try to work through this issue successfully? How often do you see it actually working? With children in the house? No. Yes. Sorry, repeat. Never. They Never. don't listen. They don't take the advice and send the dog back to the rescue group with more information than they supposedly had before they adopted the dog out so that they can make the right decision. If they don't take that advice, they find out the hard way. At least 90% of those people call back and say, we wish we had listened. And how do we go about, unfortunately, in most cases, finding this dog a home without sending it back to rescue? So on and so forth. And at that point, they're worried about the dog being euthanized because the dog has multiple bites. So multiple I, bites on children. You know, in my world, you don't adopt dogs like that out. Right. And so it's There's actually... There's dogs out there that aren't going to behave that way, so... Yes. It's actually better for the dog to return it before it these is. bites happen. Because That's the, correct then it has a chance to get adopted to the proper home without small children. You know, I don't think people realize the seriousness of resource guarding. And back in the day, in the 80s, we didn't call it resource guarding because it sounds really a little nicer. And possessive aggression. Yeah. This is mine, don't touch it. So I prefer to call it possessive aggression instead of resource guarding. Yeah. 
makes people take it a little more seriously. Perhaps. Yeah, it does. Like, you know, they hear the A word. Yeah, the <laughs> aggression word. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and we were just talking that I have, I've had, I don't know, over 150 dogs in my house, and none of them have ever bit my kids. Um, oh, yeah. No. So, you know, this type of behavior really isn't normal. I think it's become more common because we as a society have allowed it to happen in some ways. We don't follow our instinct anymore. Yeah. When people follow their instinct, they will protect their children more. Yeah. And we're, but we're, now people are in kind of la la land and they think they can, things can be fixed. They can hire people to fix things. Well, and we were talking too about my kids are 18 and 16 and my husband is uh, 49 and, you know, gates still get left open, uh, shoes still get left around the house, um, you know, they leave food wrappers around and it's just the way kids are especially and not just young kids, but older kids too. And you my know, husband. Parents do. One of the things I say, not to interrupt you, is how would you feel if your child was at a sleepover and this happened with the neighbor's dog? Right. Would you feel the same way about it? Yeah. Or would you be nervous about sending your child back over to that house again? And how would you feel towards the people who knew the dog had a problem and just told the children not to touch anything? Right. They did anyway. That would be a different point of view, and people sometimes that get their wheels turning. Well, and I forget which client I was talking to of yours, and, you know, she's a very nice uh, person, and she was saying, well, you know, I'm not a quitter. You know, I don't want to quit. I don't I don't want to teach my children that we just quit on a family member and get rid of them. And I totally understood her viewpoint because I've kind of been in that situation where I didn't want to give up. Uh, but then I also told her, that you're also teaching your children you allow a predator to stay in your house that's going to endanger their safety. So what is that teaching our kids? Yeah. You know, and I've talked with children before who are just downright forward about, I'm afraid, this dog makes me scared, and the parents are going, oh, come on, get over it. Really? Yeah. Your child is directly telling you that they're, or you see the child avoiding the dog, and the parents don't even see that, build their confidence to be able to work with the carnival dog. No, it's not. Right. And it gets hurt because the dog is so nervous. Yeah, it'd be different if the dog was not dangerous, but just maybe a little excited or, you know, needed some manners or something like that. That's different. Um, right. And that does teach kids things, I think, you know, to care for another living creature. But to put them in harm's way to learn that lesson, I think, is counterproductive. <laughs> Course. We're just doing this on the fly because it's just come up over and over and over these past few days that I've talked to clients uh, of yours that, you know, the one yesterday that had the six-month-old German Shepherd puppy that was lunging at strangers in the park and barking and baring its teeth and, and their friends were telling them that's normal puppy behavior and, uh, you know, the lady wouldn't. They always say, oh, but he's so sweet. Then he'll come and jump on me and and want attention. And I explained to her that there's usually warning signs leading up to, <laughs> she happened to bring up pit bulls, 
that attacked a person. And of course, she has a German Shepherd who's probably in more danger to the general public than most pit bulls. Um, and I said, well, there's always warning signs. I said, and your dog is exhibiting those right now. And then she wanted to get off the phone really fast. No, you know, people don't want to hear negative stuff. Yeah. They think they're going to call and magically we're going to fix it. Yeah. And we're going to hold their hand and tell them everything's okay. And we're we're going to be able to help. Everything's going to be okay. And when they don't hear that, they go, oh, I'll call somebody else. I'll go to my vet. Right. Yeah, which is what she said. She'll go to her vet and probably end up medicating the dog. Uh, Correct. And that won't help either because the dog's just in the wrong home. What do you think? Of course, I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask you this question for everyone else. So what do you think people in this situation should should do? When their child has already been bitten? Or when they see warning signs like a dog growling at their kid over a resource or a toy or a bone or food or whatever it might be. If there's any kind of aggressive threat to their child, they should remove the dog from the home, contact the rescue, and separate the dog from the child until they can get the dog back to the rescue. Yeah. They signed a contract that states they must return the dog if they don't keep it. And so they need to follow up on that and follow up with a letter of detail of what went, ha- what went on so that the rescue is informed. And legally, if it's in the dog's file, they're supposed to give that information to anybody who's interested in adopting. Well, we would hope, right? The rescue is adopting these dogs out to people with children just, I think, is very... Well, I think going to, talking to the shelters, for starters, mm-hmm. and the people that run the shelters, that they should be doing the best that they can to evaluate these dogs. And if they fail, quote-unquote, they should not be turning those dogs over to rescue. Yeah. You know, so the shelters are the first guilty party. Because they're allowing the dogs to leave. Yeah. And they have the resources to have the dogs evaluated, and they're not doing it. So, just like the shelter here in my area. Yes. You know, that went, had multiple issues, and they uh, finally figured it out. Uh, well, I believe they were investigated by the county, correct? By the, like, in, internal affairs or whatever you call internal that. Internal affairs for two years, yes. Yeah. After multiple bites, not only on the public, but on employees. Yeah serious fights and that those dogs were then turned over to rescue and put up for adoption. Yes. So, who's guilty, really? So, there is That's some... The big thing is getting information out to the public of what to look for, what questions to ask, and what's correct and incorrect behavior for dogs. Um, and most of the clients that call us, they're not informed correctly. And there's no information for people until they're already in trouble. Except my website, rescuedogsresponsibly.com. That's correct. There is some talk and debate, I believe, maybe through the ASPCA. I'm not sure which one of those organizations it is, that testing for resource guarding while a dog is in the shelter is not accurate and that it shouldn't be done anymore. Who in the world said that? Well, it's one of those organizations they're pushing because there's been some studies that say the dog is a resource guarder in the shelter, and then they go into the home and the dog's fine, and then sometimes it happens in the opposite. But I am... Well, people have to learn how to look at the whole dog. Yeah. For one. And if it's there, it's there. Yeah. 
You know, uh, people might not be seeing it in the home because they're retesting the dog right away. People to give 72-hour window before they evaluate. Right. Well, you I'm know, most thing... research starters, high, high percentage of research starters, 95% are fearful dogs. Yes. And so don't put them in homes with small children, especially if they're fearful. Don't take a risk. Right. It's not fair to the dog either. Part of what I am wondering is if they are... Uh, sorry, if they're fearful, they may take a while before... They'll they guard something. Guarding things in the house. Yeah. But usually you can see it if you evaluate them anyway, right? Like what I mean, would... To a trained eye, it should be like a split. Yeah. You should be able to look at a dog and in less than 15 minutes know what you got. Yeah. The problem is, is that the average people looking for dogs aren't going to see those things. Right. Part of what I'm wondering in this debate about whether resource guarding is accurate or not is... Um, what are they considering resource guarding? Because I've tested dogs where they just want the toy or they just want the, the chewy, you know, whatever we're giving them, but they're not going to bite me over it. You know what I mean? It's a little bit different. Um, they're just excited about it and they haven't had something like that. So they're yeah. a little ravenous about it and that's not, well, you know, we have a saying too, a test is only as good as a tester. So yes, again, it's getting information out to people. Yeah, and I'm wondering if they're con- if they're considering that some kind of resource guarding, and that's why those dogs end up not resource guarding in the home because they were never resource guarders to begin with. It's just an error on the tester. Correct. Because the dogs I've seen that resource guard are always resource guarders. That's right. Of course, I've been taught how to recognize that by you, so... But yeah, so I think a lot of people don't take that problem as seriously as it is. And this whole thing with the, oh, that test is not accurate and we shouldn't be doing it is just worsening the whole issue. And I hear a lot of people like, oh, that's because the dog didn't was starving or that's because the dog's never had that before and it'll that's go away. Starvation cases and the dogs have no resource guarding whatsoever. Yeah. It's an excuse for behavior. Yeah. Yeah, me too. You know, I use the term abuse as no excuse. I've had many, many, many abuse cases that have been absolutely rock-solid dogs. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. So it's genetics, it's temperament, it's either there, it's not there. And Coltrane, of course, was a prime example. A dog was 30 pounds underweight when I got him, and he wanted to hold on to his chewy and he'd go bury it in the backyard, but I could always take it from him. Right. If I wanted to. And then once these people try to return this dog to the rescue, we know that isn't always the easiest thing to do. Um, it is not. And sometimes the rescues give people a hard time and say, well, we don't have a foster home. You need to hold the dog until we have a foster home, which can be anywhere from a week to months. Right. And their child is already in danger. So what we suggest to those people is everybody wants to email and wait. Show up at the adoption event. Have your letter ready. Have your dog ready. Ask the attendant there to hold the leash while you get your paperwork out. The leash is in their hand. Hand them the paperwork and say whatever you need to say and walk away. Yeah. Because otherwise, in some cases, you're going to get the runaround. And also... they're in that situation, they can't not listen to you. Yeah, and I think the rescue also tries to guilt people, you know, saying the adopters did something to cause this because they never saw this in the dog. They didn't see it because they didn't either look for it or they, they didn't want to see it. 
And I think this is something that's so easy to test for. It's really inexcusable to not see it because it's pretty easy to, to see when you know what to look for. You know, there's other things that are harder to, to see and the dog might progress and change, but this is something that is, you know, it's pretty obvious. And if, like you said before, what did you say about if you're going to take these dogs into rescue, you know, the rescues need to work with a qualified trainer who can actually get results with this problem and place the dog correctly, you know, not just give it to anyone with kids, especially. That's right. Like the one puppy we had with that family. The golden. But ended up going back to the rescue and then to a trainer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes, the Aussie. Is it an Aussie mix? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And actually, we've made quite a bit of progress with that dog. However, that dog could not be at home with kids. Right. And after a series of events, that dog was probably not rehomable. Right. Because they made the wrong decision to start with. Yeah. They put a resource guard on home with kids. Right. And, you know, people rely on what they consider an expert when they get a dog. Unfortunately, we tend to be secondary after they have a problem. Yes. But the people they're relying on are their veterinarian, the breeder who wants to sell them a dog, and the rescue who wants to rehome a dog. And so the people that they're going to for information are the ones that want them to take the dog. Right. And so, in essence, it becomes a sales thing, and they miss it. And they don't know what questions to ask. They're all happy and excited they're going to get a new family member. So sometimes even if little things are thrown out there, they miss it. You know, like, oh, he's selective about which dogs he's okay with. He can be a little shy with some men, but mostly he's okay. Right. He takes a little while to warm up. Yeah. You know, so the excuses start flying around. Meantime, the dog gets comfortable in the home, and then those things are all tenfold. Right. Um, the excuse is a red flag. Yes. Walk away. <laughs> yes. You know? and I... So, I mean, for us, it's not... It's, educating the public but it's also trying to educate the rescues because a lot of the rescues are based on volunteers and if you can get to the volunteers and teach them things and it makes sense to them then it can change the course of how the rescue is running and operating and uh, people who are fosters and volunteers they can choose what rescue to go work with yes. you know, not too long ago we had a lady that had tried three different rescues to volunteer for all of which she had problems for. Right. She didn't like how they were adopting dogs out. She didn't like the number of aggressive dogs that were being placed in homes. She didn't like the dishonesty that was happening. Uh, I've had a couple rescues or comments say, well, if we, if we follow these rules, then we won't have any dogs to adopt out. And I can pretty much say that's not true. Not uh, true, and quantity is not quality. Right. And if you get the dogs Imagine returned... and you're struggling to find fosters. Yeah. So, no, you're over, you're inundating yourself and you're not being fair to the dog. Rescue, rehabilitate, rehome. Not rescue, throw the dog into the vet, get it spayed and neutered, rush the dog to an adoption event that same week and say, well, we don't know that much about this dog. Yeah. Because the dog has come out of a shelter, then is recovering from surgery and is already adopted out in a week. Right. And has been moved around from the vet clinic to possibly a kennel to possibly a foster home. Yeah. And if there is information about the dog, it doesn't necessarily get passed on. Correct. So, you know, to me, no dog should be in 
an adopt at an adoption event till it's been probably two weeks. Right. Yeah. And you know, for a lot of them, it's not reality. Well, it's not reality because they're overwhelmed. They have too many. But yet they say they can't find the ones that yeah. are okay to adopt out. Or you know, listen. <laughs> if you have a little Chihuahua that needs to be is a little fearful and needs to be placed in the home without kids, you can probably find that dog at home. Yeah. If you have a Rottweiler that's a resource carter, has bitten two owners, was difficult to deal with at the shelter, but we're going to save him. Put him in a home. You remember this one? Yes. It's seven people, right? And the owner didn't want to send the dog back to rescue because she was afraid that the rescue would rehome the dog the same way they got the dog or the threat of euthanasia. But yet her children had been, every child in the house had been bitten. Yeah. And everybody in the everybody in the home has been bitten, including visitors. Yeah, some of them multiple bites. Where did that start? It started with the shelter, the shelter. releasing an aggressive dog to a rescue. Well, it actually started with the person that gave up the dog to the shelter because they probably had these same issues. Um, well, they did. And the dog was given up for aggression. I think people need to take responsibility and fix their own issues instead of passing it on to a shelter. Even though nobody wants to euthanize a dog, either they need to seek training or they need to, they just need to not pass that problem on to someone else. Um, here where I live, dogs are in the shelter because they're strays, they're, you know, all kinds of things. We don't, I mean, some aggression issues too, but honestly, it's more um, human error and just not taking care of the dogs. That's why they're in the shelter. Um, and I think... You know, rescues, uh, you know, maybe they feel like they can't find these nice dogs, but uh, where I live, there's 60,000 of them getting euthanized every year. And actually, the dogs in the shelter where I am, I would say probably a majority of those dogs are pretty rehomable. Not all of them, because there's always going to be a few. It's kind of sad because I live where I live. You know, when our rescue started out, when I first started volunteering with them, we had a lot of difficult dogs. And we did start being more selective. And now we have dogs that can mostly go anywhere. I mean, not always. Sometimes we have, you know, the older, like you said, the chihuahuas that are nippy. And, you know, they have to go with adult-only homes and that sort of thing. But those are, you know, those are easier to place. And, and we just keep the dog until we find the right home and it reduces our return rate as well. We hardly get any dogs returned anymore. That's pretty awesome. Oh, it, it can be done. It just, you just have to change your protocol. But then it also, you know, I think it's gotten to a buyer beware state in some areas, especially where you live, uh, where the adopters really have to be educated and uh, approach it like buying a used car, you know, and be, a little bit uh, wary, I think, and careful about selecting dogs. You know, it's helpful to put out information to other people so we to help them keep their kids safe. Yeah. To help them from getting sued. To help them from having a guest come over and get hurt. From you know. Yeah. Or when have... there's kids, there's visiting kids. Yes. Yes, and I was actually explaining that that to a potential adopter that. You know, that this puppy they wanted was not suitable because they had a lot of family visiting. They had two very small kids. 
And that means birthday parties and play dates and all that sort of stuff. And, and people always want the dog to be part of that. And if you have a dog that's not good with strangers, they really can't be part of that whole vision people have of having a dog. All right. Well, anything else you want to add on that issue? I don't think so. So thank you for joining us for this podcast. Hopefully it was informative and you all learned a lot. If you want more information about how to test a dog for resource guarding and also how to choose an adoptable family pet, go to www.rescuedogsresponsibly.com. Thanks.